0: don't know, went to Africa, you know, for a couple weeks with uh, Jake uh, Douglas and Steve Allen, who's in charge of our local international outreach, you know, around here. Uh, here's what I can tell you about this morning. Uh, I need to update you on some things that God revealed and he did, you know, uh, in Africa that is going to apply to us individually and us corporately as a church. And so I may or may not get to the message. So just to give you a heads up, and if I do, it may feel like, like what? do we have two sermons today? Maybe. You know, uh, but there's some really important things that God put us on our hearts that we really need to share with you as we move forward. First, let me just remind you, we're in a series called Jesus is the Answer for Everything. Uh, We have looked at the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul is writing to this church in Colossae. He'd never been there. He's writing from prison. And the reason that he's writing this church is because he believes in the mandate of Jesus Christ. He didn't say this was for somebody else. He said this is for him. The mandate was to go into all the world, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, as you just witnessed, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, and don't worry, you're not by yourself, I will be with you always, Jesus says, to the very end of the age. So the question becomes, where? Where are we supposed to do this? And he doesn't leave that to guess. In Acts 1.8, he says, you know, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so for us, this is our Jerusalem. Our backyard. We're charged by Jesus to be disciples, which means to follow and live like and for Jesus, to be followers of Jesus who also make followers of Jesus. That God's going to use us in the lives of other people. This is our region. This is our area. This is our Jerusalem. Uh, Then the next kind of ring is Judea and Samaria. Now, for us, that can be just any any place outside of this region. Uh, For us, uh, many of you know, or maybe you don't, that we are officially launching at a satellite service the third. Sunday of September in Otis Orchards. It is done, it is signed, it's sealed, it's delivered. It's happening the third Sunday of September when it comes to services. Now, the reason I mention that to you is because many of you are like, hey, that's so great for the people who live in Otis Orchards. I'm going to ask for some of you, even right now, to begin praying, is God calling you to leave and go there for a season, for a one-year commitment, To say, I may not live in Otis Orchards, but like the Apostle Paul last time I checked, he didn't live in Philippi. He didn't live in Colossae. He didn't live in the areas that he went. But he said, you know what? I want to be a part of something. And I want to be a part of getting that something off the ground. And then if God should so lead, I'm going to then come back. Or I'm going to go on to the next one. You know, and so maybe God's going to put that on your heart. See, our passion and desire is to, to launch this thing with strength. And I believe that you are strong. And there are many people in this here who have a love and a passion for Jesus Christ. And we've got over 50 families that have already committed to going. We're looking for 50 more, 50 more families to say, we will go and we will serve and we will commit to a year and then determine from there what God would, would have for us. And so for, if you are interested At Learning More, on June 24th, after every service, Holland, who's our campus pastor, and Ryan are going to walk you through what that could mean. So it's an information meeting, which means you don't have to come back. When you're here, just stick around a little longer. And they'll walk you through that possibility if you and your family would love to pray for it. And I know that God's going to ask some of you to do that. Now, the last one is to the ends of the earth, the ends of the earth. And so as, you, as I told you, we went to Africa. You know, uh, the f- first question my son asked me, he says, well, did you find any vibranium? He said, did not. You know, um, sorry, I didn't find any vibranium, buddy. You know, some of you guys like have no idea what he's talking about. Non-Marvel Black Panther people. Okay, so here's what I need. You know, as we kind of walk through this, you know, together, is uh, I need three stationary. You know. volunteers. People will be willing just to stand up here, you know, um, because I'm going to put some things around your neck, signifying what I believe that God is calling us to be and do as a church. It's going to change the way that we do international outreach. It's changing already other churches. Here's what I can tell you. When we were in Uganda, God made it very clear that what we had done and what missions had done across the nation up until this point was good, but it wasn't great. And there's a new way and a different way to do it that actually empowers his people to make a kingdom difference in the lives of others. And and so I wanna kinda show you this uh, uh, visually. So I need three volunteers. There's one, there's two, and one more. Okay, there's three, over there. All right, we'll do three. Okay, come on up. So one of you guys gets to be, and we'll have you be John. You're gonna be John from the Philippines. We're gonna have you put you right over there. Okay, you get to be Ronald. So you get to be an African black man. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm gonna put you over here. You're gonna be, you're gonna be China person. Now, that's not a racial thing at all. It's just that we can't say the name is because it's an underground you know, movement of God that's taking place in China. So there's persecution. So we're trying to keep the name so that they, you know, it doesn't show up on social media and these services are recorded. Okay, here's what's important. Do you know what you're saying? Right there, go ahead and move over China a little bit. Just go ahead and, actually we're gonna switch, switch you two. Perfect, so you're gonna go stand it over there, yeah. Okay, so many of you know, you know, that Ronald at Living Springs has been a partner for the last several years, you know, for us, you know, here at Valley Real Life. And the way that missions has typically been done is the West to the rest. Meaning, uh, when Africa did not yet have any converts to Christianity, it was those people from Europe, those people from the West, who decided to have a heart for God to say, we want to reach people the farthest to the ends of the earth, which was a great endeavor. And so people went to Africa and began to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they began to receive it. Okay, so that's all good. As a church, we have then partnered with Ronald and we have come alongside Ronald and tried to find ways to encourage and help him and the church that he oversees. Nothing wrong with that, but God made it clear it's incomplete. In fact, we're actually hindering Ronald and Living Springs from doing what God has ordained and called them to be and do when it comes to the rest of the world. Here's what I mean. When we went to Kenya, there was an African summit, and here's what we found. Every pastor came up and they had a confession to make. These are African pastors who said, When we saw those who had lighter skin come into our regions or area, we couldn't help because we have a lack of resource of doing two things. One, we would always invite you to come into our services to preach and to teach us because obviously we didn't know enough. We needed to learn from you. Okay, That's number one. Number two, we couldn't help but think, how will this Western person or European person, wherever they may come from, be able to resource us financially to continue to the work that God has called us to do, whether it be in cases of extreme poverty or just in fulfilling the mission and vision that God had called even guys like Ronald to Living Springs. Pastor after pastor after pastor after pastor began to confess and say this. And so what's happened is, is it becomes a, we're going to serve you, Ronald, we're going to to disciple you. We're going to help you. Hopefully, you're grateful to God, and I know I'm going to be changed. Why? Because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we're hurting Ronald and his church long term by doing that. Which God revealed very clearly that the way that He set it up is not for the west to the rest, but in mutual relationship. In other words, here's what you need to know: Ronald in Living Springs has just as much, if not more, to offer myself and Valley Real Life when it comes to depth of relationship with Jesus Christ. He has a part to play in our discipleship process and my discipleship process. Uh, What that means is, uh, when's the last time that you did an all-night prayer vigil? They do it once a month as a church. When's the last time you did 40 days of fasting? And I'm not talking about away from popcorn or TV. I'm talking about fasting. Because they are so desperate to cry out to the living God and believe in his abundance and as his provision and where they've been and where they're going, they have a level of depth that most of us have not gone to yet. And so we start talking. We say, Ronald, I think God is revealing that it's not supposed to be only us coming alongside and serving you. That's been good. We want to continue to do that. But how can you serve and help disciple us? And so he's he's looking, he's like, and instantly, you know, Ronald and other guys in Africa are like, we don't have any resources. See, and that's the problem. We have taught them that unless you have resources, that's where you can impact the kingdom. So we have begun a list of how they're going to be discipling and partnering with us. Let me just give you just one quick example. The first one is we are going to now begin sending monthly prayer requests from this congregation to Living Springs to have them pray for us. Us because we know the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective, and they're pretty powerful and effective when it comes to prayer. And then monthly, we're gonna tell them how their prayers impacted our lives for the sake of the kingdom of God. That's just one little thing. That cool? Okay, let me let me also help you. I got a little excited and fired up in Africa, partly because I went to congregations where they got excited and they clapped and they said, Amen. If if you need me to speak You know, like uh, an African pastor, I will start doing that if we didn't. I'm like, you know, uh, I had Steve and and Jake, you know, after I preached one time at one of the churches, they're like, dude, you need to preach like that more often. I'm like, dude, I will. If you start saying amen and you start clapping, you know, a little bit. So, yeah. So much more fun. It's so much more engaging. We fire each other up. So this is not a little deal. You may be sitting there going, well, duh, that's how it should work. Missions has not done that. In fact, we began to explain this to the, to the other African pastors and the people who were put on the summit and they're all stealing what God revealed to us while we were in Uganda. Okay, so it gets better. So that part one is us helping Ronald you know, in Uganda and part two is now this mutual discipleship relationship, their church and our church. What can they help us in? What can we help them in? All with the point of making and becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. So here's where I got even better. Uh, Intentionally, uh, as we flew through Dubai on the way to Africa, we met Pastor John. Pastor John is from the Philippines. Pastor John is an amazing young man of God, you know, uh, and you guys are about the same height, so this is perfect. You know, (laughs) he was so much fun, so much life, so much time. So he wanted to come, and so he flew with us to Uganda to meet with Ronald, and here's what happened. I'm going to get you guys close together. Go put your arm around each other other way, they built relationship. They built this mutual relationship. And as we're talking about this partnership thing, all of a sudden, John's like, I want in. So instead of us, what we can do for John in the Philippines, John's like, well, here's what I can do for Ronald in Uganda, and here's maybe what Ronald can do for our church and what John can do for our church. So all of a sudden, now it's mutual discipleship instead of just one way or the other. And it gets better. So we're in, in, in Kenya now, and we have a dinner together. We finally met our Chinese partner you know, in Kenya. And so they, go ahead and actually come forward. I don't know if I'm gonna run over here. Actually, stay right there so I don't kill you. China, come on over. Okay, so they started to get to know one another and started to love one another because of their passion and mutual commitment to become and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Different contexts in different places. And then all of a sudden, it happened. God came down and revealed himself in a way that we had never even thought of or seen. Let me give you one example of what took place. So we're sitting you know, at a dinner table, and we're talking about what God's doing in China. And, and they're there, you know, they're sitting there and just kind of listening. And, they're, and he starts revealing, like, well, we can't do this, and there's some things we can not do, and maybe here's a way that we can partner Valley Real Life with China. All of a sudden, Ronald, he puts his phone down, and he says, I want to know what part I can play in China. See, now all of a sudden, Ronald is no longer thinking, what are you going to do to help me grow my people and help the suffering in Uganda and Living Springs? He now has transitioned within the context of a week, and he begins to ask the question, what can I do as an African pastor for the pastors in China? And so Steve and I just sat back, and we're like, ooh, this is getting good. This is getting good. It gets even better. Because the, 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 the person from China says, well, here's our problem. We can't invite you from the West to come in like large groups and put on these conferences and that kind of stuff. Either you'll get thrown in jail or we will. Not a good, good plan. So there's like, don't do that. And so we're like, well, how can we come alongside these pastors who are just kind of, I accept Christ and now I'm a pastor in China. You know, that, that, that's, that's kind of how it works out. You don't just come to Christ and you get time to grow. No, no, no. If you come to faith, you're in 100% and now you're leading other people in the process. So, like, how can we help what's going on in China? And so he, he, he starts saying, he starts going, Well, we can get visas so without any suspicion to places like um, Singapore and Thailand and, and the Philippines. And all of a sudden, John's like, What? You just said the Philippines. And we just sat back because I knew it was coming. And John's like, Well, wait a minute. What if you sent your pastors? to the Philippines. And then we sent a group of people to the Philippines. And then Ronald says, don't forget me. I'm coming with some people too. (laughs) Now that's what's really cool is to see then, all of a sudden now, there's a way, not because they can come to the United States, there's a way for the Chinese pastors, not under suspicion, to head to the Philippines because of relationship and connection, where John, instead of just saying, what can you do for us, can host a summit that can involve Ugandans, Chinese pastors, Valley Real Life people, all serving and loving one another in the name of Jesus Christ. Now that's something to get excited about. not cool? All right, can we thank these guys, you know, for doing that? Good luck taking it off. You did great as an African pastor. So, you know, we wanted to give you that heads up, you know, um, just because it completely, like I said, is redefining the way missions is going to be done. And we could see it. A spark has been ignited among mission agencies that we ran across because when we were done, could we, we kind of walked through this, you know, as one of our presentation opportunities of what we would learned while we were in Kenya. And all these pastors and missions folks, you know, said, we're in. We're gonna, why haven't we done that with our partners? Why haven't we thought about this mutual discipleship relationship? Because here's what's gonna happen with Ronald and his, and his team. They're going to grow, not because they receive, but because when they start giving. They're going to go to a whole other level in their faith, and you and I will as well, not because we're also giving, but now we get to actually be receiving, and we get to sit at the feet of pastors from the Philippines, and pastors from Uganda, and pastors from China, and say, what is God going to teach us, me personally, you, because of what God is doing there? That's the body of Christ at work. And so we're just a little excited about it. And with that being said, let me invite you to something. Next week, uh, we're putting on a kind of an impromptu, you know, meeting after the third service for just about an hour. If you're interested in knowing more about this whole idea and maybe some part that you could play in the future, whether it be the Philippines, whether it be Uganda, whether it be China, if there's any interest in either of those three, then we want to invite you next week after the last service for just about an hour, you know, just to be able to talk, through all of this and say, here's what could happen. So all the stuff's being formed, but it's very clear what God has revealed to us that you and I now get to be a part of that's going to benefit the kingdom of God. And so with that being said, I don't know how to transition well. (laughs) So here's the best way I can. Uh, Have you ever had uh, something great, but then got duped for something less? Ever had something great, something authentic, something genuine, but then you got duped for something less? I was in uh, the Phoenix area, and I had a friend of mine. His name was Tim. And his name is Tim, and he's a pastor friend. and And uh, we both like sports, love going to see sport events, but we're also pretty cheap. So uh, we like, especially in the Phoenix region, is it's not hard to get tickets through scalpers because nobody's from Phoenix. Everybody's been translated to Phoenix, and vast majority of people have. Phoenix is their second favorite team because their favorite team is from somewhere else in the country. So oftentimes, there's a lot of extra tickets to all of these sporting events that take place in that warm city. Yet it wasn't warm. It was early uh, November, and it was actually really, really cold. So we went out, and we said, let's go to a Suns game. We loved NBA basketball at the time. The Phoenix Suns it's Steve Nash, Maurice Stoudemire. You know, Sean Marion. Uh, you know, Mike D'Antoni was the coach. It was a fun team to watch. And so we head down there. And as we as we get down there, we're like, "Well, how much money you got?" He's like, "I got forty bucks." I said, "Me too." So that's all we got, it's all we can afford. And that's, that's, that'd be a pretty cheap, you know, kind of ticket to get to an NBA game. So we start walking around and start finding out what the scalpers are, and, and he comes running to me. He says, Dan, I got this great guy right down this alley. You know, that's always a good sign. You know, down this alley, and he's got, he's got good tickets. So I said, let me see the tickets. So he shows me the tickets, look at the tickets. And like, they're like at the 100 level. So we're going to get great seats. And I'm like, well, and, it's, and the list price is like 140 bucks, you know, per person. And uh, I was like, well, how much? He's like, uh, for you, my friend. I said, yeah, we're friends now. Uh, he, he goes, he goes, $40. bucks. I'm like, i am like, I look at Tim. He's like, we're in. So, you know, we, we reach our pockets, hand the money. He us the tickets. We're cold. We go race into the stadium, get to the stadium. And they have the scanner, right? The scanner guy at the front, you know, and he comes in. And he goes, and he goes, beep, beep, Arr. And the guy says, well, it might, might be my gun. He goes, beep, beep, Arr. And then he, then the guy looks at it, and he says, uh, gentlemen, he said, yeah, he says, these are motocross tickets. <laughs> They're not even son's tickets, you know, for here, for what was taking place at the exact same time within a couple hundred feet, you know, in, you know, the, the stadium happened to be a motocross event. And so what took place was he showed us the real tickets and while we were getting your money out, he switched it to the false tickets, gave us those tickets. And so being a good Christian pastors that we were, what did we obviously decide to do? Who wants Suns tickets? Who wants (laughs) Suns tickets? No, we actually didn't do that. Well, I was very tempted to do that. I didn't want to hurt somebody else in the process. So we said, who wants motocross tickets? And so we bought these motocrosses, you know, like on the list, it was like $40. So it was like even right there. And so we actually had to sell them for less than $30 a piece. We found somebody who wanted to go to motocross because they were decent seats in the motocross area. And so now we're down to like 25 bucks each. And so uh, luckily it was the end of the first quarter of the Phoenix Suns game. And so we found other scalpers who were just kind of getting desperate at the end. They gave us tickets to the nosebleed section and we actually got to watch most of the second half all being doomed at the same time. The reason I mention that is because it's so easy to do. For us to fall in love and connect with the real thing, which is Jesus Christ, and then slowly, suddenly, sometimes to fall into the trap of something less than, something not as significant and not as real And it seems so good and so, I mean, it couldn't be any better deal, especially as you watch the world around you being like, maybe I'm missing out. The reason that's important is I want to mention to you to open up to Colossians chapter two. And for the brief time that we have left, I want to quickly go through verses 16 to 23. As we're turning there, everything we need for our salvation and growing from Christ comes from the sufficiency and the supremacy of Jesus Christ. See, in the fullness of Jesus Christ, we are complete only in him, and we must be deeply rooted in him. And so last week, you know, Tyler, oh, by the way, didn't Hester, Tyler, and Ryan do a great job these last three weeks? Didn't they do awesome? Appreciate them so much. I thought they did a great job. Tyler talked about the importance, you know, through Colossians chapter 2, the importance of going deeper to establish these roots, you know, not to go for the counterfeit, but for something that's genuine and real and establish roots. What Paul is going to tell us today is almost the second half of that, which is what are things that could trip you up while trying to establish these deep roots in Christ? What are some things that trip you up? And so verse 16, he starts out with this. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are shadows of reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. So what he is saying there, and he also says in Romans 8, 1, is that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. See, here's what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to be hung up on your past, hung up on the things, hung up on the shame and the guilt and the remorse. He wants you to keep going to that place, disqualifying you from a relationship with God. And what Paul's going to remind us is that, no, 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 once you're in Christ, the condemnation that you once had, which we all have apart from Christ, is no longer present. And so he hits two forms of the condemnation that is taking place in this church of Colossae that also apply to us as well, because we fall into these same traps. The first one he mentions is don't let anyone condemn you on the basis of religious performance. Of religious performance. So let me ask you just some briefly, some true or false questions. Okay, true or false? First one, God only accepts you if you eat or drink the right things. True? False. Okay, we got false. Okay, the second one. God accepts you more if you observe the important holy days and events false. Now, the reason this is important is because these Judaizers, these guys, some of which who are following Christ, said that Paul, they come in into this church of Colossae and they said, believing in Christ is good. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not enough. You need to eat these certain things, avoid these certain foods. They're not kosher according to Jewish law. You need to celebrate these holy days. You need to participate in these festivals according to Jewish tradition in order for you, don't miss this, to have a right standing with God. And what Paul is saying is that's heresy. He's saying Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Not Jesus plus avoid and, and, and participate in these foods or festivals or that kind of stuff is going to bring you into a right relationship with God. Now, today we see the same temptations of things to avoid or things to adhere to. Like some of you feel like that's, that God loves you more, uh, you have a better standing with God because you came to church today almost as if God is up in the sky saying, I see you down there, well done. You did it, you showed up today. Way to show it up. It's almost like the participation award that we got into in our society. You know, well done, you made it. You know, and we have this idea that, and God, did you notice that I serve people today? God, did you notice, you know, that I read your word today? God, did you see that I did these things? You must think now, God, that I am in good standing with you. And if I don't do these things, or if I begin to sin, or if I begin to do those things that, that hurt me and hurt my relationship with others, we think, well, God now must be distancing himself from me. And again, it's an easy trap to fall into. It's a very easy trap to fall into uh, because many of us were raised in homes where we experienced that even with great parents. Uh, and many of you are nodding your heads. You understand what I'm talking about, that when you had good grades, when you did well, when you didn't get into trouble in your home, it felt like at times you were more loved or accepted. And unfortunately, we take that experience on the opposite, that when you did things that weren't quite up to snuff or maybe you had perfectionist parents or something else like that, that you felt like, man, I can never do enough to earn right standing with mom and dad. And we take that relationship that we have with our parents and we personify up with God and it's a heresy. It's opposite. No condemnation. God cannot love you any more and he cannot love you any less based on what you do or don't do. It's all because of his son, Jesus Christ. That's something you can amen and clap about. See, that's what we're talking about here. (laughs) Now, let me be very, very clear. Because some of you guys are thinking, well, wait a minute, aren't we supposed to do those things? Aren't we supposed to come to church? Are we supposed to read the Bible? Are we supposed to serve one another? Are we supposed to do all those things that God calls to do? Absolutely yes. Because those will enhance, encourage, help your relationship with God and your relationship with one another. But none of that changes your standing before God. You are only made right before God by the work that Jesus did on the cross and nothing more nothing else can save you. Nothing else can bring you between a right standing. The Bible has a word for it called righteousness. The righteousness of God only takes place because of what Jesus has done and your receptivity of what Jesus has done. Anything beyond that, where all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm, 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 I'm with God now. Now I'm away from God. Now I'm with God, and away from God. Paul is saying, don't fall into that heresy. You're missing the whole point. Which, let me ask you one more question. Uh, God doesn't love you based on you but based on his son. True or false? God doesn't love you based on you but based on his son. True or false? The answer is true. If it was based on me, we got problems and so do you. Because Romans 3:23 says for everyone has sinned we all fall short of this standard that God has. So his ability to love us is not based on who we are or what we do or don't do, but based on his son, which is when then he jumps into verse 18. So don't let anyone condemn you, look at that second time he says this, by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying that they've had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they're not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with his joints and ligaments and it grows as God nourishes it. So what he's saying, secondly, is don't let anyone condemn you on the basis of religious you know, uh, experiences of experiences. So one is preferences. And the se- second thing is performance. I'm sorry. and The second thing is experience. See, people try to convince us, and this happens all the time because was happening back then, that if you would only experience the way that I experienced God, if you would experience the way I experienced God, then you would have a right standing with God. The reason that you're suffering in life or going through trials or difficulties or, you know, things in life is because you're not as connected to God as I am. If you were connected to God in the ways and participated in those things, then you would have good standing and God would show favor in your life. And Paul is writing again, heresy. One of those things that they got into was the worship of angels. They're like, man, if God created Jesus and created angels, we need to start worshiping angels. It's one of the main reasons that as we discover scripture that God does not want us to worship anyone other than Jesus Christ, God himself. He doesn't want us to worship Mary. He doesn't want us to worship the saints. He doesn't want us to worship. Now, it's a subtle change because there's an honoring that should take place. There's an honoring of what the saints have done and what Mary has done, that kind of stuff. But when we put them level or above Christ, Paul would be the first one to say, no, it's only Jesus Christ that we're called to worship. Some of us you know, uh, can come across this way. Let me say it this way. Uh, sometimes we worship God's creation instead of the creator. Uh, I know if you're like me, this is the best time of year to live around here. And one of the greatest things is you connect to God by going to nature. If you ever hiked or you just got out of there and just got, just got quiet and you're looking around going, how can people not believe in God when they look around in his creation? And that's a beautiful thing to say where we cross the line is when we say, I'm going to be to worship this creation instead of the creator who made this. And so we're like, I don't need to connect with other people. I don't need to be a part of the church. It's just me and God in creation. And all of a sudden, you're subtly elevating creation to a point it was never meant to be. See, we are wired to worship. You do realize that, right? God has wired every person to worship. You will worship something in your life. Power, fame, money, other people. I mean, shoot, guys, we had had a show called American Idol, right? You know, like, what what do you think that means? And these people who are no names all of a sudden are on stage singing, everybody's like, ah! You know, they just can't wait. They've (laughs) elevated this person in a subtle form of worship. And we can fall into these same traps in the same way, you know, that Paul is warning these people as well. So there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, that's the key in Christ Jesus. Most of you know the famous Bible verse, John three sixteen. But Do you remember 17 and 18? See, John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Because it's all about his Son. Notice verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. A lot of us as Christians, we need to remember that. We, we come across so venomous, you know, when we see our country headed in a certain way and we begin to come across as very condemning. But God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Your choice of condemnation is really up to you. It, whether if you receive Christ, if you put him first place in your life, you are not condemned. You are righteous before God. If you choose not to receive Christ, then you do stand condemned because the only thing that can save you in this life and the life to come is Jesus, which is why he is the answer for everything. Now, we all have some temptation, though. In verse 20, it says, you have died with Christ and it sets you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following why do you follow the rules of the world? Such so as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teaching and things that deteriorate as we use them. What Paul is saying is that avoid the temptation to go back to your old self. It's hard to be a follower of Christ. It's not easy. If anybody ever told you that, they missed, they, gave, they sold you a bill of goods that wasn't true. It is the harder path. It is the narrower path. It's the best path. path. It's the right path, but it is the most challenging it's the most difficult. And apart from Christ, there's no way we can do this. So our temptation is then to settle for something a little more counterfeit. Instead of Jesus being the answer and going to him in situations, circumstances, in our jobs, and marriage, and with kids, we look back to the world and be like, well, they seem to be having more fun. They seem to have it together. They seem to, or you remember our old self, like, man, I remember, this is hard. I'd like to do that again. And we find ourselves going back and forth. You do realize the greatest battle we'll ever face is sin. Not one time, ongoing. Uh, We don't have time to get into Romans seven, but the Apostle Paul struggled with the sin idea. Like this wrestling back and forth internally. And yet he provides a way out. Verse 23, these rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. So how then do we conquer these evil, evil desires? First is a regular submission to Jesus Christ said, Jesus, I will seek you in all things, all things. That's the first thing. The second way that Paul reveals to us on how we can win this battle of this sin that rages on in all of us will be told to you next week. So you got to come back <laughs> because it's in chapter three. This is what he leads to. So then he sets it up. He says, go deep in roots, avoid these heresies and these different things, and to help you in your sinful nature, and I'm going to encourage you, read chapter three, especially the first you know, 10 verses or so, and it'll give you an idea on how to conquer that in our lives. So as we wrap up, what are the voices that might be seeking to drive us to religious performance or religious experience that drives us away from Christ? What are some things that you have found yourself saying, you know what, if I only would participate in these things, then God would love me more. Then God would accept me more, and God says, no, 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 no. I accept you because of my son. I accept you because you put your trust and your hope in me. All those other things that I'm gonna command and ask you to do is to enhance relationship, help relationship, but my love is unconditional because what my son did on the cross was enough.